0: Welcome to the Why God Why podcast where we talk about the 21st century questions about faith and life that you never thought you could ask in church. Um, We are doing a special episode today. By the way, my name is Peter Englert. I am one of the co-hosts. I'm here with John Amayo. Welcome, everyone. And uh, our producer, Dylan, he uh, recorded and ran. And we are recording a special episode for Valentine's Day John, I feel comfortable enough to say this. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to be your most favorite guest ever.
1: This is true. My my most favorite guest ever, without a shadow of a doubt. And uh, that's not even going to be close. So yeah, without a doubt.
0: So the question we're dealing with is, yeah. why would you marry John Amayo?
1: Why would anyone marry John Amayo? That That's, that's a, a question I'm sure that our or you know faithful listeners have been wondering for quite some time now who in the world would do that it, they have to like what is going on and so i have my wife here she's going to answer questions believe it or <laughs> not she's sitting right across from me it's great well, uh, we're going to get right to
0: it then. We're going to welcome, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, John's wife, Laura Amayo, is here with us, and uh, this is probably, uh, we compare our uh, interviews to Buzz Lightyear, Falling with Style. This one is going to be even more like that, so we have no idea what's going to happen, yeah. so stay tuned. Either watch us uh, watch us fall or watch us fly, whichever one it is, so... <laughs> Hey, Laura, let's get started. Uh, you know, John says a lot on this podcast, but tell us a little bit about yourself, like pre John, kind of the way that you're wired and who you are and
2: stuff like that. Well, thank you, Peter. Hi, everybody. <laughs> like the guy said, my name is Laura. And um, John and I have been, we just celebrated 20 years married this past summer. And um, prior to that, we dated for about a year and a half before we got married. I was pretty young. I had just turned 21 when we got married. So goodness, I i don't think I knew what I was doing. But um, I did not grow up um, knowing a ton about God. We went to church um, occasionally, but I really didn't. That wasn't a big part of my life growing up. Um I went to college somewhat nearby Rochester and met God, my freshman year of college. And that totally changed my life and my perspective. And the summer after I began to follow Jesus, um, John and I started dating. So as you can imagine, the whirlwind of change in my life was intense. And I was just kind of on this mountaintop experience. Everything was new. You know, there's this guy that um, I knew through work, and he was just seemed amazing. And I was, you know, on cloud nine. I think we both were. And we were so young, and we had no idea what we were doing. So, the funny thing about this title is, why would anyone marry John? It's kind of like, why would anyone marry anybody? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. so. oh, man, we might need to retitle that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is good. Well, uh, thanks for sharing a little bit about you. Let's back up a little bit. Um, So I wish we were supported by Wegmans, because that's where you're working, but we're not. But we love Wegmans anyways, if anybody from Wegmans is listening. Tell us about how... In the workplace, you two started, you know, from coworkers to friends to dating. I mean, how do you see that?
2: Well, um, it was kind of a funny, funny setup because John was actually technically my boss. <laughs> um, I was just a measly part-time worker at Wegmans working there on my breaks home from college. So... Um, he was there full-time, and we do have a Wegmans romance. Um, we did not invite Danny to our wedding, but... <laughs>
1: we thought about it, I yeah, think. yeah, I think
2: we got many, many people telling us we should, because we we're a, a Wegmans couple. Um,
0: Danny, it's not too late for you to send a gift. Yeah, it's to not share. too
2: late. Never. Um, so it, it's funny. I tell people we met at a grocery store, and they're like, oh, my goodness, Thinking we like caught each other's gaze across the aisle and and reach for the same loaf of bread or something and that was it. But it wasn't. It was less less uh, glamorous than that. Um, we were just both working there, and um, I think it was a cool way that God decided to bring us together. But we had no clue what we were doing.
0: So what was the age difference between, well, it's still the age difference
2: mm-hmm. between you Back and John. Back
1: then it was different than it is <laughs>
2: now. <laughs> uh, we're, uh, John is four years older than me. So he so, had, I was in college. I was 18 at the time and, or just turned 19. And um, he was already graduated college out working full time. So,
0: so uh, John, we're going to turn to you for a little bit. Wow. But uh, tell me, you know, how did how did you go from dating like or just from boss coworker dating you know is is there anything you want to add to what Laura said
1: well she summed it up uh way better than i could actually and you know i tell the stories or whatever but uh she's good at giving the the concise version of it but you know i think i think actually it was never in my dream to start dating Laura not that i was it, was against it whatsoever. I just never even considered it an option. And then on July 4th, she came up to me and said, what are you going to do for the fireworks tonight? And I totally was not picking up the clue (laughs) at all. She said, what are you going to do for the fireworks? And I was like, oh, some family friends are in town. It should be, be, you know, I'm just going to go out with them, I guess. And never thought about it. And then she left and then she comes back. And she said to me, you know, when I was asking you about the fireworks, I go, yeah. She goes, I was actually meant if you would go with me to the fireworks, I was like, oh, I get it. I think I get this. So, so that's when I, it, it finally clicked. Oh, maybe this could be something. And, uh, it, our, our relationship has been fireworks ever since. So it's been beautiful that way.
0: <laughs> Cue the Katy Perry song. That's right.
1: <laughs> uh, well, well, let me ask you both
0: this. Um, I think, I'm thinking about the Christians that I talk to and the stereotype is the man makes the first move. Mm. Um, I mean, Laura, that was pretty bold considering. I mean, tell me a little bit about that. What was your thinking? And uh, did you get any grief for that or did it just work?
2: It just worked. Honestly, I I I know people have different opinions about that, but I, I have fun telling the story because, like I said earlier, God had been dramatically transforming my life, and I was kind of on this mountaintop experience, and I didn't have a lot of preconceptions about what even being a Christian meant or mm. looked like. I didn't grow up in that environment. I had no clue, and I just knew, like— There's something different about this guy. Um, I'd like to get to know him, and I thought nothing of asking him on our first date. (laughs) Um, So, and I'm
1: glad she did it. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, what about you, John? I mean, you. uh, I mean, I'm not putting words
1: in your mouth. You sounded pretty oblivious. I was oblivious, yeah, but but I was very excited at the same time. Don't get me <laughs> wrong. I was really excited. Like, I had this really attractive girl just yeah. ask me out to the, go see the fireworks. I was I literally, you know, here's, here's another story from John. On the way back home, driving my uh Saturn The sports coupe Saturn. May
2: it rest in peace. May it
1: rest in peace. I used to call it Precious. I had in the tape deck Return of the Mac. Um, and that was playing as I was, and I felt like that song just encapsulated the moment for me. Return of the Mac by Mark Morrison. It was like, return of the Mac. Oh yeah. I was jamming with it. I was thinking I am the man right now. And, uh, yeah, felt fantastic actually. So anyway. You felt like the man, but you didn't do any work. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was the ultimate thing. Yeah. I mean, like, how did this happen? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm still flabbergasted by the fact that she asked me out. So anyway, and you still have that cassette tape. I still do somewhere, somewhere (laughs) framed in
0: gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, what, and this is, we'll start with Laura and then we'll move to John. But like, you know, what was it that you saw in John back then that you said, you know, I want to pursue this. I'm going to take a big risk, you know, with the fireworks.
2: I think as I observed him as his, um, as, a co-worker or working at the same place as him as I observed his interactions with people I just felt like he had a different way than I ever saw he was very joyful people loved being around him um, he was very respectful of everybody it didn't matter who you were he treated people so well um, I mean, he was uh, in a lot of ways the the uh, the model Wegman's employee what they want, the customers first. He just respected everybody and I really found that very attractive and um he just had a a way about him that was different and special. And I think it was cool how I didn't know what it was, or I didn't know what would become of our relationship, but I, God showed me that really early on.
0: Mm. Same question,
1: John, when the light bulb came on. When the light bulb came on. I don't know that there was one moment that the light bulb came on for me, but it was it was probably a gradual process for me in that when Laura first asked me out, I wasn't even thinking about it as a possibility at that point. And so the first light bulb moment was her asking me out was like, oh, my goodness, this this girl would actually consider going out with me. Wow. Okay. so um, that was the initial moment. And obviously, I thought she was very attractive. I thought she was very sweet. I thought she was very someone who who I looked at and was like, wow. And she took the initiative to actually ask me out. I thought, wow, that's someone who's pretty independent too. And, and so these were kind of characteristics that I really admired in her, but I didn't, I don't think I would have been able to articulate it in the moment. And then after going out with her, you know, over several dates and then turning into a relationship, the, what it was a gradual light bulb moment for me, where I'm like, this is beyond just someone who is like, Oh, this is a cool person into, wow, I can actually picture myself with this person someday. I just saw the care that she had for me, for the people in her life, saw that the way that she truly um, nurtured the people around her. And there was just this underlying quality about her that she just wanted to make the world a better place, you know, and, and the people that she was surrounding with, she just made a better. And I was like, Wow eventually it just clicked. And I, I can't remember exactly when that moment was, but it just clicked to me that this is the, the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. so. uh,
0: I want to keep going further, but I, I want to yeah. just drill in. You had, a, I think you said a picture of what it looks like. And this is again, a question for both of you. Um, did you back then believe in the one (laughs) and is that answer the same now or is it different and I'll let whoever wants to kind of start that off
2: I don't think I had a framework for that um I think when you're anybody when you're that young you know 19 20 years old I don't know if I thought that deeply about it I just knew there was something special about this and and God was doing amazing things in my life and I just have to follow what I think he's leading me to in relationships with every area of my life. I was I was ready. So I don't think I had a specific framework for the one and I know there's lots of discussions about that. And I honestly, to be honest, even with the listeners, I don't even know what I think about that because I think you're getting into like, god's knowledge and he knows but we don't and um all of those theological things but um i just knew i needed to follow god one step at a time Mm -hmm. and the uh, um pursuing the relationship with john felt like that's where god was leading leading me um even in my very young mind and heart at the time
0: Mm -hmm. what about you john
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to put myself back into those shoes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I thought the one was a concept. I mean, I kind of knew it as a like sociological thing. Like we talk about that a lot in American culture. Like, oh, the one that I'm, you know, the my soulmate and, you know, I'm going to be a hot tub with my soulmate someday. And I kind of <laughs> just thought, you know, so in that way. Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite. Um <laughs> I kind of had that thought, you know, of like, OK, you know, the one in a very vague sense. But I don't I don't think I ever really believe that there was only just one person for me. It was like, what is the who is the one that I'm going to commit to? That was kind of the bigger deal for me. It wasn't necessarily is it just the is there only one person in the universe that I could be with? I don't think I ever really bought into that, but I did buy into there's one person that I'm going to commit to for the rest of my life. And I got to be really sure that this is the person that I want to commit to. So
2: as sure as you can be (laughs)
1: right. I, I, I felt the pressure to like, know everything, you know, and to be, oh my goodness, I'm gonna know it all and you know, um I mean, yeah, whatever. I I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So if I've been listening right, you you got married
0: when Laura was twenty one and John was twenty five. Correct. Correct. Yep. Yes. So, you know, I I think all these years later, if Laura and John were here right now at 21 and 25, (laughs) most, most people would say you have years of your life ahead of you. And so why don't you just share, you know, the pros and cons of getting married early versus getting married later. Um, you know, just, I, I think it'd be interesting for our listeners because I hear a lot of, you know, there's couples that date for like seven or eight years and I encounter them and they say to me, well, we're still finding stuff out about each other. And I'm kind of like, what don't you know after seven years? Like, and of course it's different when you get married, but I think having you two on at that age, it'd be interesting to see kind of what you looking back on that feel.
2: Yeah. I, um, I think um, you could be together, whether married or not with somebody forever and still not know still be learning stuff about them. We have found that to be true um, even after 20 years. And I know couples who've been married far longer than us who still say the same thing. So I think that's a little bit of a fallacy to think like that you can know everything about a person um, before you make that commitment. Um, There was so much we didn't know, even the type of people we were, at 21 and 25, are radically different than we are now. And it's not that um, we were intentionally being deceptive at the time. I'll speak for myself as a 21-year-old. I just thought I was being um, driven and molded by things that I was so unaware of at 21 And now that I've been walking with God and married to John and have other relationships, significant relationships and our kids have taught a lot, (laughs) taught a lot to us about ourselves. um, I'm just, I have become more of who God had intended me to be. And I think that's just going to take time no matter what. So it's more of a decision is, is, Is the person, is John the person I want to be on that journey with? Um, Because you just can't know. And, um, you know, certainly not at 21, and I don't think at any age. You can really know everything about the person. Um, You just have to go on what you do know. And for us, listening to what God wants has been an important part of that. Every step of the way. That doesn't really I don't know if that answers well, your question. Well,
0: but. no, no, it does. I I guess I'm curious. What's the first thing that comes to mind of Laura back when she's 21 and Laura of today that you're like that changed?
2: Um, well, one of the main things I think that changed was I was very much looking back, of course, um, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back at 21, I was very much the the person who kind of everybody else wanted me to be. That was very like either my family, even stepping into a relationship with John, like I I was the person I thought he needed me to be, um, and I was just used to functioning that for most of my life up till that point. That was just uh, kind of my story. So I think since then, it's been very much like instead of who other people want me to be, it's more of who has God created me to be. How Mm. has he made me what's true about that and living out of that in my relationships with John and my kids and everybody else. So that's probably the if I had to summarize it, that's the biggest difference without a doubt.
0: We're going to come back to some of those thoughts, but I want to, I want to go to John and, um, you know, talk to us about getting married at 21 and 25, mm-hmm. you know, what were some good things about that Were some bad things, you know, looking back on it, what might you have changed or what might you keep the same
1: Well, I think the one one of the positives about getting married younger is you're kind of blissfully ignorant about (laughs) things. Um, And and that can actually work to your advantage, you know, and and I don't mean that like negative. I don't mean that like, um, you know, I mean, you could you could easily take that and, and run with it negatively. But I mean, honestly, like. Kind of going at it with a blank slate can be healthy. Mm -hmm. You don't have as many of those patterns set in your life. The longer you wait, the more patterns you're setting up on your own that make it difficult to enter into a relationship with somebody else because they have their patterns that they're setting up in their life. You have your patterns that you're setting up in your life. And so one of the things that we had to work through, like Laura was saying, was, especially in the early part of our marriage, was kind of deconstructing some of those things that we had built up over the years. Uh, our ways of functioning with the world that we thought were working out for us, but we realized, holy crap, this is not working out the way that we thought it was. So... Um, that first year or two was essentially taking down all of those ways that we had functioned in the past and, and forming something new that can be tough. If you've built years and years and years of, you know, barriers that you're creating in your own life to do that. Not that it's impossible, you know, that's not impossible to do by any means, but it's just more difficult. I think the older you get to do that. Um,
2: Well, one huge advantage too, of even as I imagine getting married older is you just have more experience and maturity mm-hmm. with you. So you can navigate that better maybe than you can when you're younger. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like we didn't have a ton of experience and wisdom and relationships to know how to do that well. So we were just kind of fumbling through it. Whereas I feel like if you have more years and you're older, you can maybe navigate that healthier than we probably did. <laughs>
0: so Well, yes, we'll we'll save that question for yeah. Robin and me next episode. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to hear. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's interesting hearing both of you because I, I think that you're relational in different ways, um, and even Laura, hearing your description, you're saying. I wanted to be the right person to the right people. So we just had Marilyn Vancell on. A a few of our listeners have said they've loved the Enneagram episode. You know, why don't you two, through the lens of the Enneagram, just kind of share what you're learning about each other? Because what you said and your type go so much. And then John's been fairly open about his type. I can only imagine the misses, but also the ahas and stuff. So why don't you share a little bit about that?
2: Sure. I'd love to. Um, Yeah. We've enjoyed um, working through the Enneagram. It's, it's actually been a family um, Mm. effort. Our Mm -hmm. kids, our kids talk about it. They know a lot of the language, which is good and bad (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, kids don't filter too much, but um, so I am a pretty definite type one with a two wing Um, So we have the two in common because John's a two with a three wing. And really, um, that has been interesting because it has helped us discover a lot of what we're each experiencing with the other person. So it has helped me become aware of how John and other people in my life can experience me as a one Um, and this, I had this conversation with my daughter who's 12, a few months ago, and she was telling me something kind of insignificant, cool in her life. Um, and I, my mind, if I'm not careful and aware, my mind immediately goes to, oh, that's nice, but what about this? Like, (laughs) um, and I caught myself in the moment doing that. To her, and she was just kind of look at me, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, Hannah, I'm so sorry. I realize a lot of times you probably can experience me as like what you told me wasn't good enough, it, um, and that could be that would be really hard. Is that true?" And she's like, "Yeah." And <laughs> so even being aware of like how John or my kids experience me as a one um, is so powerful because. John being a two, the helper, um, you know, he can often feel for me that what he's doing isn't enough, that he is is trying so hard to help me, to be there for me, to support me. And I'm like, keep, the bar just keeps getting higher. Mm. And it's not anything personal with him. It's like this inner thing, inner drive in me to always be improving mm. Um, on everything, and it's it's exhausting for me for sure. So I have to keep that in check and just give myself a lot of grace. I mean, give people around me a lot of grace. It'd be really intentional. Otherwise, I'm just um, I'm pretty hard on people and myself. So
0: I want to come back to what you said when you were 21, and just thinking about you being a one perfectionist or reformer on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm you basically said I was trying to be what other people thought I needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you fairly well enough. Like, there's some people that just, like, screw you, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do whatever I, And And for you, it just, it seems like this growth process has been... It's not, like, I hate you all. It's been more... I'm becoming me so I can be better to you. I mean, talk about how you look back at that now through the lens of a one versus how you look at it today.
2: Well, I think, um, I think I just wasn't, when I was that young, I just wasn't aware of that drive in me. But as I look back now, I see it. I see it in my, when I was a student in college, I see it in my relationships, winding to always be, better for the people around Mm me um, that really impacted my relationships. Um, So I think that is, I just was just did not have awareness about it. So I think you can't grow in what you're not aware of. So I growing over these years as a, as a one has, has been just so much of a self-awareness journey and like, how even how i interact with god and um being able to experience god's love and grace in my life is been a big deal because i don't let myself uh experience that cuz i still feel like i need to be doing more doing things better even in my relationship with god so um that's a huge part of what's changed over 20 years. And I'm sure we'll continue to change.
0: Laura, I love your word, self-awareness, John. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the Enneagram, but talk about it, you know, answering the same question that Laura's, how has it made you more self-aware, the 25-year-old John versus the John of today?
1: Yeah. I mean, okay. So I don't want to paint a picture. I think one of the dangers of this is you can paint this picture kind of of our relationship, if you will, that isn't totally accurate. We can kind of talk about this like, oh, it's been so easy, you know, and (laughs) and that just is not true. Like there's been seasons where this has been incredibly difficult. You know, we were at a conference several years ago that was about kind of marriage and leadership. And then in the middle of this conference, we looked at each other and we go, oh, my goodness, I think we need help. And uh, I remember talking to the people who were leading that conference going like, where would you send us? You know, if (laughs) basically like I'm desperate right now, like, what would you tell us we need to do? So they told us this place in Pennsylvania, this counseling center. And, and we went there for a couple of days, just this intensive kind of counseling time. And uh, we honestly, we just needed that. We needed it really, you know, for our relationship and um, it was during that time that everything started to click for me in a, in a more real way, mm. because the beginning of that time, the counselor said, okay, let's figure out what's going on in your guys' lives. Let's figure out the dynamic of your relationship. And, and he said, typically what happens is we have the, he called it the fear dance. And so we have our deeper fears are driving us and those fears are going to, you know, say how, how we interact with each other. And, and sometimes those lead to negative places. And so we kind of started to map these things out. Ultimately, what we discovered is, you know, my greatest fear is being alone. A two Mm. on the Enneagram, you know, that's, I think, one of our bigger fears, you know, being alone, relational connection is super important to me. But Laura, one of Laura's greater fears is being responsible being responsible for every everything mm. around her and so what we discovered in this counseling session is i am fearing being alone as a two, that's, that's kind of driving a lot of my decisions. My how can I keep you close? How can I keep you close? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? You know? And, and Laura, at the same time, she's sensing that about me and she's feeling responsible for my feelings and, and my, what's going on underneath my surface. And that's causing her to push away from me, which is causing me to go, Oh, come on, get over here. You're, you're too far away from me, which is causing her to push away from me more. And all of a sudden we kind of discovered this dynamic that, that maybe over ten years in our relationship we had we had just created that we were kind of ignorant about, and I think so for me as a two that that has been something that I've had to be very aware of. What pressure am I putting on Laura in these situations to to be something that that she isn't, or mm. or what am I expecting of her um, that that she hasn't signed up for, you know, um, and that isn't healthy. Well, what's a specific example of that? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I could. Oh, sheesh. Uh, maybe maybe Laura would have better examples than I than I do. I I would. Uh, she has freedom to share any response, <laughs> anything that she, <laughs> anything that she wants. I don't know. Nothing stands. I mean, it's just such a part of my life that sometimes I don't even think about it. I don't know. Do you have a situation?
2: Well, I think I think a big dynamic that we've struggled with um, is, and maybe a, I'm sure other couples struggle with this, but this idea of. Um, kind of like a um, uh, give and take relational mm-hmm. dynamic so John's a huge helper he likes to serve and do feel like he's doing things for me to help me but I think one of the unspoken expectations there has been is well I'm I'm helping you in doing these things for you now like, Can you show me even even, for example, like physical affection, um, affirmation, hugs, just a lot of like physically being close. Um, And that's really hard for me to begin with. (laughs) But then when I feel I've got this like high intuitive sense of like that, there is that expectation because he's. He is doing all these things that there's this unspoken expectation of that I will return the favor. And that could be in a number of dis- different ways. The example I'm using is just more physical closeness and um, attention in that way. So I think that's something we've had to talk through a lot. Mm-hmm. And that is um, we both have, we both have things to own in that.
0: Um, so well, literally you scratch my back, I scratch yeah, your back. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, just based on that, because I think a lot of couples go through that and I'm going to take this probably a little bit more controversial, but, mm-hmm. um, we have a mutual friend, Mike Keys, mm-hmm. and Mike Keyes mentors like a ton of people. And, you know, one of the stories he was telling me and he, he said this a lot, but, Um, you know, he's talking about sex and Mm -hmm. he said, he's like, some of the men that I mentor, they think I'm going to give my wife a massage. Bam. We're ready. And, you know, I think of how many couples, that's a perfect example. And just kind of thinking about your dynamic, um, and Mike would even say things like, and he was on, I think, episode seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll make it up. One of the early <laughs> ones. There's a one here. She'll yeah. correct me. But, <laughs> but um, you know, he'll say, like, about doing things for each other that there's, like, no strings attached. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I don't know. How do you two, like, oh. as you hear that story, you know, how do you kind of react to that? You know, John, Laura just brought this up, but.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's been my journey over the last, I don't know, probably 10 years uh, since I've become aware of it. Um, I re- actually remember talking through that with Mike, you know, during <laughs> during seasons uh, like Mike and I having conversations. It wasn't, together. It wasn't John
0: and I yeah, can yeah. tell you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but Mike and I have been really good friends for a long time, and so we've we've had you know really uh, you know just great conversations with each other. And I remember it was probably ten years ago, just going like you know what I telling him. Uh, he didn't really ask me about that, but telling him. Uh, you know what I feel like I need to do in my life is, is have less of those expectations. And I didn't have the two language for that at that point in my life. Like I didn't realize that that was my tendency. Uh, I, from a, from I I didn't have a framework for that, but I started to realize, Oh, that's my tendency. I have expectations that others will return favors. If I do X, this, you know, others will return favors. And, um, and certainly that plays out in our relationship. I think the the pressure then that I was putting on Laura in that aspect of our relationship, I think she felt, I don't want to put words in her mouth on that, but I think I realize now looking back, I was very unhealthy and that was not helping our relationship uh, move forward in, in a healthy way. So it can't, a healthy relationship only happens if two people are approaching it from a healthy way. It can't. It can't just be, you know, two unhealthy people don't make one healthy relationship, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Well, we've spent a lot of time kind of
0: talking about some of the difficult things that you work through. Let me ask you both this. When John and Laura are in sync, what does it look like?
2: Hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I think first and foremost, for me, I'm... I experience a different level of thankfulness for John. Um, I'm able to see the way God has gifted him. I'm able to see why I need to be married to him, why why God, like, made it happen in the first place. Like, I um, appreciate um, how his journey and how he's... He's growing just as a person and Mm. in his relationship with God. So experientially, I'm a a lot more thankful and way less critical. Mm. So because for me, that is a telltale sign that I'm um, being unhealthy, I think, is just my level of criticalness goes up towards people, towards myself. Um, so when we're in sync and we're operating in, hel- in a healthy way, I know I'm a lot more thankful for him and I can see him through those lenses.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's so I, I, yeah, I think that gratefulness, you know, comment is something that I really resonate with. But and, and I think we Laura and I are just we're very different people. So I think when we're operating out of a good spot, we're both feeling the freedom to be who we truly are. And that actually complements each other really, really well. Like Laura is so detailed and I don't really care that much about the details. (laughs) So so she does she she just is functioning. She functions on such a high level on all of that stuff that that. It doesn't even—it doesn't even effort for her. She just does it. It just flows from her, and then that allows me to to kind of think of the big picture stuff and how are we gonna do, you know, move this forward in a Mm. in a healthy way, you know. And we, the last eighteen years, we've worked together, which is really weird, but, you know, work side by side and led together into some pretty complex environments. And um, I just over the years have grown to appreciate her strengths more and more and more every year. And I think that's part of what happens when you're healthier is that you appreciate the strengths of the other person even more uh, because you see your own gaps and you go, wow, thank you, God, for giving me someone who can who can come alongside of me and and kind of complement some of my areas of weakness, so.
0: Well, this is, um, we're doing a two-part Valentine's Day episode. uh, So, um, you know, this first week is gonna be John and Laura, and then the following week, we're gonna air Robin and uh, Peter, so, uh, myself.
1: (laughs) So you're being Um, very cautious with the questions right now, because John's asking the questions on the next one.
0: (laughs) Well, I uh, I don't know if I'm the one that's worried about the questions, but we'll save that. So usually our last question is, um, you know, how do we see Jesus in all of this? And actually, I want to continue with that. And honestly, um, I really, we usually do. Everybody answers this.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not going to answer this. So I'm going to let John and Laura. So, John, you get to a uh, bat set up and then Laura can clean up the mess. But, <laughs> you know, as we think about the question, why would anybody marry John Amayo? Um, <laughs> You know, I guess maybe the way to frame this is, you know, how do you see Jesus working in this relationship versus if this relationship wasn't here? Maybe that's a good way to frame it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I just uh, I probably my relationship with Laura, not probably, I would say most definitely my relationship with Laura and everything that that has entailed has grown me far more than anything else in my life and and i think it's because of what jesus says when you want to hang on to your life you will lose it but when you lose your life Mm -hmm. you will find it and what i'm discovering is the more i give my life away in our relationship um and and really refuse to have expectations of how she needs to act of how she what she needs to do but i give myself away it's like there becomes a a deeper sense of wow i i feel really connected to this person and i feel really um connected to god in ways that i that i haven't, you know, raising kids together is one of the most mm. challenging things, you know, <laughs> that you'll ever do because, you know, in, in our culture, it's almost become like dogs or kids now. I was hearing somebody talk about this the other day, like our our dogs have become kids. We have a dog too, but that's not a kid uh, because your kids <laughs> will actually get to the point Dogs will never call you out on your stuff. You know, they will never <laughs> just say, oh, you know, point out the ways that you are a sinner. But your children will find those little ways and then they will amplify them and then they will just stick it to you just sometimes just to do it. And... Um, I'm so sorry. I I love our children to death, but they, but that will happen, you know, and um, it's, to me, it's the marriage. And I think everybody should approach marriage this way. And it's not for everybody, but Mm. when you, but marriage has to be built on this sense of, I give my life away so that I can find it. Like I give it away and um, that's the high call. Of, of marriage and relationships. Um, so why anybody would marry John Amayo, I have no idea. That that doesn't make any sense to me, but um, yeah, that's how I would start with it. Here
2: you go, Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. I think, I don't know, this might be a little bit more roundabout answer to your question, but like John mentioned earlier, it the journey hasn't been easy and there has been times in our relationship where we look at each other or we don't look at each other we look away and we and we think how is this going to work mm. how are we going to do this and what i've discovered is the the way it is possible is because of jesus for us we can go to places that are really difficult and seem hopeless And Jesus makes it possible for us to walk through it because he's right there with us. So I think the verse about God not giving us a spirit of fear um, or timidity has been huge because we can approach those things with Jesus in our relationship. Because without it, I think without him, it would be— There'd be n- nobody directing us. It would just be kind of up to us. Mm. And we have proven, I have proven to myself time and time again that it's like, oh, man, if I'm doing things the way I want to do them, it's not going to end pretty. So I think that's that's been the difference maker for me is having Jesus, um, Right there as we enter into these very difficult things in our marriage, things that we'd rather ignore Uh um, and rather just keep ourselves busy and distracted and not pay attention to. But we can because we have Jesus with us. So that's that would be my my big takeaway.
0: Well, no matter where you are in uh, Valentine's Day, if you're single, dating, engaged or married, we hope that you got something out of this. And I think hearing stories from John and Laura is a helpful way to not necessarily copy everything, but just see some mile markers in your own life. Uh, as we close the Why God Why podcast, don't forget we are at whygodwhypodcast.com. Um, sharing is caring, so make sure we are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please share this episode. Uh, many of you have shared it. I want to call it Christina Knights. She's been sharing that Enneagram episode like we're a real podcast. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: So go, we're, Christina. We're, we we're very
0: you. we're very thankful. Uh, and then uh, also, too, make sure you rate us. As I would say, give us a five-star review. As John would say, rate... I you'd like whichever way you take it but um we're so glad to have you on the episode and uh we will see you next week as um we interview robin Engler. yeah and, and laura we're gonna have you back on the show right
2: sure uh, happy to you did
0: you did great thank you so much have a great day